I'm Abby Glassenberg, and this is While She Naps. On today's show, I'll be talking with Deborah Fisher and Stacey Trock. Deborah Fisher is the director and quilt designer for the Bright Hopes Collaborative Quilt Project, a nonprofit organization that gives those without a permanent home a sense of place, wherever they are, with a beautiful quilt that they make themselves or that's been made especially for them. She's the author of the just-released book, So Fun, 20 Projects for the Whole Family, a collection of dolls, stuffed animals, toys, and quilts for adults to make for and with kids. Her new project, Beau Toile, provides handmade cloth dolls to girls and boys in underdeveloped countries. You can find links to all of Deborah's projects on her website and blog, fishmuseumandcircus.com. Stacy Trock is my frequent guest on the show. She designs crochet patterns for adorable and huggable stuffed animals. Her patterns are easy to follow and take the mystery out of crochet. She's also a teacher on Craftsy and Nationally and is the author of three books. You can find Stacy online at freshstitches.com. Deborah, Stacy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Deborah, I reviewed your book, So Fun, on my blog a few weeks ago and loved it. I sewed the hazel doll because the doll is beautiful and because the nose is constructed in an ingenious way that I just had to try. In my review, I described your book as ambitious, but in the very best way. Do you want to tell us about it? Yes, I, I was very, very pleased to have you um, review it because I've followed your work for a long time. And so that was very exciting for me, so thank you. And I'm really excited about the book because it is my first book and it incorporates a lot of things that I just have always loved to do, like doll making and whimsy and um, working with my kids on certain projects. And the book will, um, it's for adults, but you there's a lot of things that you can make with kids um and each project has a little um box that says kid work and it recommends things that kids can do to help and there's a lot of projects in there that incorporate kids drawings um and the hazel doll i have to say is my favorite because i um started uh when i was 10 years old, making dolls, and I just really love to make all the little parts to them, all the little the shoes and the clothes, and, and that's something that I've always really loved to do. So it was really fun to see it made um, by you in your way, and I thought that was a really, really interesting um, point that you made in the review is using other people's patterns but making it your own. Yeah, um, I love... I love that um, you're you weren't afraid to make so many little parts. Like you have a, um, it's sort of like an activity rug where there's like mountains and volcanoes and all these little. Um, it's sort of a, a topographical uh, landscape, and it just looks like so much fun to play with and so much fun to make. And I can see kids innovating and wanting to make their own, you know, taking pom-poms and making a garden and wanting to make like parts to go with it. Um, it just was like it, such a neat and creative project, but it's not something you can just whip up, you know, it's like you would work on that for potentially months, you know, um, to make it. And it would be so 
special and not at all something you can find in a store? Well, I, that project is really fun to make and it is fun to play with. And it is one of those projects that you could do in a smaller, easier way. Um, but it's just, I, I really could have worked on that forever and I could have made it room size and I could have made hundreds of mountains. It's just really fun to use all the different kinds of materials. I have always loved different kinds of materials. So that was really just fun and um I, but I really had to move on to other things in the book and stop working on that one. Yeah, gosh, it makes me think like in a children's museum or something, you could even do a whole room, you know, and almost be like an installation. Yeah. I don't know. It just was such a creative jumping off point for me. I really enjoyed your book. So, um, and I also wanted to um, touch on your other two projects. So tell us a little bit about um, Bright Hope's collaborative quilt project and also about your new venture, Beau Toile. Well, Bright Hope's Collaborative Quilt Project, um, I started back in 2003 with my mother. And even though I've sewn for a very long time, I'd never really made a quilt before. Um, but um, it seemed to me that I wanted to do something that would take my work more out into the world and more out to people who it might be helpful to, because I had really been in the fine arts before. And I was feeling a little disconnected from that, from the real world and from that world. And so we started making these quilts that to give to people who were in temporary shelters, to children in foster care, people who had lost everything in a fire, people who really needed a sense of place who didn't really have one. And now we have three programs. We have the program where we, we make the quilts, and we have a, a bunch of wonderful volunteers who help us uh, to make the quilts, and those are donated. And then we have a project where we involve community groups in the making of quilts, and then we have a project where we actually go in to locations and help the residents there make their own quilts. And uh, our main focus right now is on a children's residence, and we've been with them for about three years and the kids there make their own quilts so that when they go in to different foster homes or wherever they are going to be going, they have uh, their own quilt that they made. Uh-huh. So that's Bright Hopes. And um, Botoile is uh, very new. We're just kind of launching it. We had an in, a great Indiegogo um, crowdfunding campaign. And how it's working is that we are selling doll patterns here through Etsy. Um, we're going to try to have them in stores. And for every doll pattern that is purchased, one doll will be sewn by a sewist. Right now we're working in Haiti, but we would like to expand to other countries. So one doll will be sewn in Haiti and then donated to a child in Haiti. So it's... Um, You can make your own doll here from your own pattern, knowing that another doll is being made for a child who needs it. And the sewist in Haiti gets some of the revenue from the purchase here on Etsy or in stores? Yes, they they are paid. Most of the purchase price of the pattern here goes to the person who is sewing that doll in Haiti. Wow, what a neat model. That's so interesting. 
Um, I mean, we hope it works. We're, we're really excited, and, uh, and we're, we're probably going to be launching the patterns at the very beginning of February, so it's really coming together. Um, and um, just one follow-up question about um, the quilt, the collaborative quilt project. You're located in New York City? We're on Long Island. On Long Island. Okay. So the children that you're working with who um, are living in the transitional housing, they're, they're also in New York near you. Yes. This, it's more of a local um, kind of organization. And Beautois, which, which means cloth kiss in Haitian Creole, I should say that, um, because it, it fits in up with our theme. Um, that is more of an international. We're hoping to really be more international with that. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for telling us about both projects because they they really are um, interesting. And um, I love the sort of mission-driven part of what you do. Well, thank you. Um, all right, Stacey, so um, tell us what's new, what's going on with you right now. You can't make me follow that. Everything Deborah does is so cool. And now I have like... <laughs> What do I got? Don't um, worry, my my stuff isn't nearly as impressive. <laughs> oh, jeez, I feel like I'm lacking a sense of mission and purpose in my life. Um, well, I've been doing less notable things, but I've been doing things. Um, my new book came out, so Modern Baby Crochet, which is crochet patterns for nursery items like blankets and a poof, because poofs are like super hot right now. I have a whole poof board on Pinterest. Um, those sorts of stuffed animals, those sorts of things came out and people are loving it. Um, you don't really find out, you know, any numbers or anything until you get quarterly reports, but I assume people are buying the book because people have been liking it on Twitter. So I think that means people like the book and I am, well, I have two things to say. One is that over the Christmas holiday, unbeknownst to me, and this is going to be one of my topics I talk about, I got a whole lot of Facebook fans. I've been getting a whole lot of Facebook fans. I don't even know. Like, I haven't done anything special. Um, In mid-December, I had 14,000 Facebook fans, which was already a lot. Um, Today, it's over 80,000. And so this has been like a complete, uh, well, shock, I guess. Um, it's a lot of people. It's a, it's sort of changing a bit my day to day functioning because now there's a lot more questions and people coming in, um, and that sort of thing. So that's exciting. Um, I'm not sure where that's going to lead. Um, my suspicion is that it's come from a tweak in a, one of the recent Facebook algorithm changes, and that's something that could change tomorrow in the other way. So um, from a business perspective, I'm not really putting all of my chickens in that basket, well, the eggs in that basket, um, but it's really exciting. Um And the other thing that I was going to say that I'm working on, which is a big secret but now it's not a secret. Um, I am. People have been asking me to design dogs for a really, really long time. And I've been having a lot of anxiety about this issue because, well, first of all, I absolutely love, love, love dogs. And it's, I think, a little harder to design something that you're very passionate about because you just see so many different details in dogs and you have this fear that you're not quite, you know, living up the dogginess in it. Um, 
So I've been putting it off and putting it off. And now, and I've also been getting um, requests for, um, like what Abby did, a six month of, you know, like a club, like a pattern club. Um, Abby did this with the, ooh, was it six months of softies? Yeah. Or 12? No, six, yeah, six yeah. months of softies with other designers. So um, these powers combined, I'm doing a dog pattern club. And I'm really excited about it. And it's um, part of a something I've been trying to do. So Fresh Stitches is really about making patterns very accessible for beginners. And most of my patterns, if you have your basic single crochet, you can make an animal like right away. Um, but I've also have customers who have been my customers for years now. I mean, I've had Fresh Stitches since 2008 and they're looking for something with a little more difficulty. And so I've been struggling with how to balance difficulty with my goal that is to have these easy to crochet patterns. Um, and so I think the way I'm approaching this now is to have, um, clubs or, ebooks of slightly more difficulty um, that are accessible to people and then a beginner won't get confused that oh this should have been a really easy pattern because it's sort of set apart in this kit or ebook sort of way. So that's what I'm doing. It's exciting. Yeah. The new year brings all sorts of craziness. Yeah, it really does. It's kind of amazing. Um, and I love to tackle like a big project like that. I'm a very goal-oriented person. So feeling like, okay, I'm going to you know design the next six of these and they're all going to go together and they're going to be, you know, have these sort of same features, but be varied in different ways and setting up the back infrastructure to make it a, a club. And I love yeah. like sinking my teeth into all of that. So it's a lot of fun, but the trick that I always find with these mystery, you know, big release sorts of things is that you can't share what you're working on. And so, well, I mean, because that would, because I'm not announcing which dogs it is. That's part of like the surprise. And so usually, you know, I'm showing pictures. Oh, I'm crocheting this. I'm making this. And then you sort of find yourself like with crickets in the room because you're not really sure what to share. <laughs> but that's okay. Right. Okay. It's similar to working on a book in that way. Right. <laughs> um, all right. Cool. So I um, just released my second um, pattern of 2014, which is a big huggable fleece Humpty Dumpty. And um, when you download the pattern, you also get a Humpty Dumpty paper doll to cut out and color and put together with little Brad so his arms and legs and hat and bow tie and everything can move. Because when I was um, doing research on Humpty Dumpty um, and looking at old images um, that are in the public domain and that sort of thing, it, it, there were so many paper dolls of Humpty Dumpty, and it just seemed like such a fun addition to a pattern and you know when you're making templates why not also make a paper doll one so I came up with this idea I drew it it you know looks just sort of similar to the doll that you would sew and I think it's really cute you you know you make you sew the doll and then you can also give like a you know the sheet to the older sister or brother or to the child who you give the Humpty Dumpty to to color and you know it can be even like a card that goes with your gift if you want, you know, you want to. So I think it's a neat add-on. I'm pretty excited about this paper doll idea, and I think I might do some more. And I also think I might do some more nursery rhyme um, animals and nursery rhyme characters because I've got lots of good nursery rhyme ideas in my mind. So 
Um, I was excited about Humpty Dumpty. And then um, for in the writing part of my life, um, I'm doing a post that will come out um, probably the day after this podcast airs on So Mama So, uh, interviewing PDF pattern makers of all kinds, so people who design handbags, who design um, clothing for children, clothing for adults, quilts, and sell them as sell the PDF patterns online about um, how selling PDF patterns has really transformed their businesses and made their businesses profitable and given them more time to be creative. So I'm excited about that post, um, and it's going to come out pretty soon. I'm putting the finishing touches on it as we speak. So that's my week. Um, all right, so let's talk about some of the amazing things on our lists this week. Um, we've all compiled lists of things that we're really enjoying. We have a loose theme today of tools. Not everything we'll talk about will be a tool, but some of them will. So, Deborah, we're going to start with you you wanted to talk first about Hudson Paint Company's colored chalkboard paint. Yes, and I actually have a little bit of an update on that. Um, that very recently, I found out that Benjamin Moore also has a chalkboard paint that you can get in any color that you want because. Years ago, it used to be that you could really just get chalkboard paint in black and possibly dark green sometimes. And a few years ago, I was at the Queens County Farm in Queens, New York, and they had an orange wall that was um, chalkboard paint, and I was it was just fabulous, and they could write things on it. And I found out from them that they got their paint from the Hudson Paint Company. So I kind of kept this in the back of my mind for a few years. Um, I actually had an art teacher in school who used to talk about things like that as in your suitcase. You kind of put it in your suitcase and you bring it with you wherever you're going, all those kind of ideas. And then just when you need it, it's there. And a few months ago, we were having trouble dealing with our family schedule. Um, and I have my calendar, but nobody else uh, had any idea what was going on. And so I said, you know what, we need a chalkboard wall where I can write the calendar, and that way everybody knows what's happening every week. And my older daughter and I sat down with the Hudson Paint Company colors, and we picked out turquoise because we both love turquoise. And we it came, and I painted... Uh, part of our wall, I actually kind of scalloped around the edge, so it's really fun in the living room. And we have the calendar, and every week, everybody's got a line, uh, the four of us, and there's the days of the week, and then I can put in what everybody has that week. And nobody has any excuses for not knowing what's going on, including my husband. And... <laughs> um, so, and, and it's also fun because, you know, of course they can draw on it. And then when kids come over, they're like, wow, we can draw on the wall. It's so, it's so exciting. Um, so it's a, I just think it's just really fun. And now that they have it in other colors um, and more accessible even because Benjamin Moore seems to have it also, um, although I don't, I haven't used theirs, so I don't know. I know the Hudson Paint Company um, paint works really nicely. Um, it's just a very fun kind of creative thing, but that can also, it's helped us get, get pretty organized and all on the same page here. 
Nice. And I think you can make chalkboard paint um, using standard paint and mixing in certain ingredients. I don't remember what those are off the top of my head, but um, I don't know if it works quite as well. My guess is that the one you buy might be better. I don't know. Stacey, have you ever tried it? No, but I have another related chalkboard thing to say because I've been wanting to make a chalkboard because, okay, I've been looking on Pinterest and on Pinterest, there are all of these super adorable, like people put chalkboard paint on like a plank of wood And then they take these really adorable baby photos, like, you know, a newborn baby, and they put all of its statistics around the side in chalk. Like, it's 8 pounds, it's 21 inches long. And I was, I want to do that for my stuffed animals. Like, when I release a new stuffed animal, here's Martin the snail with, like, all of his vital statistics around him. And I've been really jazzed about doing this, except outside it's minus 16. And so I'm not painting anything in my garage right now, but this is on my spring to-do list. So I'm excited about this chalkboard paint color thing. Yeah, that is adorable. That's a great idea. Love it. The only thing that I get, well, I have multiple questions. Um, First, Deborah, do you have um, unchalk material on it? Like, are your lines for your grid in regular paint? No, I just used chalk lines for everything. Because I kind of felt that at some point I might want to not have the calendar. And it might, you know, at some point I might want to just take all the chalk off and maybe even just hang pictures on it as kind of like a frame around it if we are kind of done with the chalkboard thing. So I wanted it to be a little flexible. Sure. And also, because I, I, from a photography perspective, I'm not sure how great my handwriting is. Like, when you look on Pinterest, some of these people have obvious typographical skills in writing. So I have to develop that skill, I think. Well, I also know that, and I haven't tried this, but um, I'm just using regular chalk. And it's definitely, it's kind of thick, so it doesn't make it very easy to write neatly, but there's all kinds of things now, and I bet there are links to that maybe through the Pinterest um, mm-hmm. about like chalkboard uh, or chalk paint or chalk pens that you can use that you could get a finer line that would be more um, uh, readable. And and certainly I was doing it on a wall, so it has that just slightly pebbly texture, whereas if you maybe had a really smooth board, I think it would be easier to get things that were clearer. Mm, that's a good point. I know they have those chalk like paint pens that they use like at Whole Foods. You know how they have those beautiful signs everywhere at Whole Foods and they're written in like a chalk paint pen. Um, so I don't know whether, I don't know how easy those are to wash off, but um, I don't know. I'll look into it. I'll see what I can find for the show notes. Um, all right, great. So um, Stacy, let's move over to you. You wanted to talk about Child scissors or puppy snips for Right, traveling. so this is a very... I've just finished some traveling. Well, and I'm doing more traveling. And I always get asked, what do I carry with me? And so I just wanted to say this out loud for everyone to know. So um, I always carry with me child scissors, which are scissors with a blunt tip. Let, I mean, we all know what child scissors are. Um And for American TSA regulations, those are completely fine to bring on a plane. They need to have a blade of less than four inches and have a blunt tip. So no embroidery scissors, no, you know, quilting scissors, like just the little kitty ones that you get from the grocery store. Um, 
and I've never had a problem. They're completely okay. Um, another thing that you can bring is puppy snips, and these are really cute. They're made by Haya Haya, and they're really tiny snips that look like a puppy. So the blade is probably only a half inch long, and they're they're almost like using a nail clipper um, to cut yarn if you're knitting on a plane. But importantly, there's a rumor going around, and I'm just going to debunk it. Some people think that thread cutters are better for planes than scissors. Um, and so thread cutters are just these little, it's like a razor blade in a circle shape that are hang on a pendant necklace. Um, and those are expressively not allowed. I'm not really sure where this rumor started, but I guess some yarn stores maybe have been saying, oh, these are good for a plane. Um, and they're not. That you can actually unscrew the outside and you just have a razor blade that's in a circle, um, which is really, really bad. So those are not allowed at all. Um, but I bring little child scissors with me all the time. And, um, then I can do all of my knitting and crocheting on a plane with no problem. That sounds super. Um, yeah, that's a really popular question. I know you wrote a blog post about what is and isn't safe to bring on the airplane. And that's one of your most popular posts. It is. And I mean, the caveat is it differs by country. Um, so U.S., Britain, Australia, a lot of countries have similar-ish regulations. Um, and a lot of countries, um, how do I say it nicely? In many countries, it is left completely to the discretion of someone. Um, so you hear a lot of things about um, Mexico or Turkey um, where... They sort of don't publish guidelines, and they might take anything they feel like, as far as I can tell. So you definitely want to check the regulations um, going to and from, because you have to get back home. Um, and it's always about what you carry on. So if you are worried, check it in a bag. Um, but the flight to Australia is about 20 hours, so I definitely like having something with me. Yeah, totally. Um, or more than one something. <laughs> and who wouldn't want a pair of snips that looks like a puppy? Exactly. I, I, I know that you couldn't have those little round things. So that's really good to know. But I want to get one of those puppy snips because who wouldn't want that? That's Okay, I'll send you a link, Abby, for the show notes. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about um, an online class that I recently took. Um, it's from lynda.com, which is a really great platform for learning software in particular. And um, I definitely need a class if I'm going to learn something completely new to me. Um, and I have a lot of trouble going to an actual class because I'm a stay-at-home mom and I can't really, you know, get up and go at 4 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that to a class um, so I love to do something that's online and I can, you know, do it when I have time or in the evening. So I took a class on lynda.com to learn how to use podcast editing software so I can edit the podcast. Um, and I edit the podcast now in GarageBand, which comes, um, with your Mac. And I literally didn't know at all how to use GarageBand when I started the class I would open it and be immediately confused. I just didn't understand it, thought it was really complicated. Like in my mind, everything's always more complex than it actually is. So 
This class was fantastic. It was for learning GarageBand 3. I actually have a newer version of GarageBand, but I was able to use the class anyway. And the instructor was super, super patient and slow and kind of went through it step by step from the very beginning. Um, and you know what? GarageBand's really great and it's easy to use. It's all drag and drop. I totally see how it works. Um, and it makes it fun. It gives me total control over what's happening. And I feel like I can confidently add music. Um, I can cut things, add things, move things. So it's great. And then he also recommended some other equipment that I'm considering purchasing, like a microphone and, um, you know, sort of what the industry standards are for creating audio um, that you self-publish. So I just loved this class. The fee was, I think, $25 for the month. And that gives you unlimited access to any of the Linda classes, which is an amazing deal because um, it kind of auto-renews. So you have to remember to go in there and cancel it um, <laughs> so that you're not just paying $25 forever. Um, but I did go in and cancel it. So I just had it for the one month. And um, you, you can get a higher level of premium membership, which gives you access to some of like worksheets and um, materials like that. But I didn't feel like I really needed to do that. I got everything I needed for the $25. But they also have classes on every software you can imagine. I mean, Photoshop, InDesign, Illustrator, everything that you would need. And so for a month-long trial period or whatever, you have access to any of those classes and you can just sit and watch them and play with them all day long. And it's everything from like pages, everything. So I was just very impressed with it. I thought it was really informative, helpful, and it was a very good uh, expenditure of $25 in my opinion. So I highly recommend uh, lynda.com. It's L-Y-N-D-A.com if you want to learn software. Um, all right. So, Deborah, we are back up to you. Um, and you have on your list laminating patterns. Yes. Well, I really never have laminated patterns before. When I do patterns, it's usually just on heavy cardstock or oak tag or whatever paper that I happen to have hanging around. Um, but recently, I needed to have some sturdier patterns. Uh, I needed to, I, I had to send the patterns for Beautoile to Haiti. And even though I printed a bunch of them out in paper, I wanted to have like one set of sturdy patterns to send them um, so that they, they would have them. And I tried um, that template plastic that a lot of people use for quilt templates. And I really was not happy with that for the curves in doll patterns. So I tried, I went to Staples and I had the paper patterns just laminated on their laminating machine and I cut them out and I was really very um, happy with them because then they had all the information sandwiched in between the laminating um, two pieces, um, the paper that was still inside there. Um, but I was actually, it was almost more of a question for you, Abby, about how you do your patterns because, and I don't know, Stacy, if you have actual patterns or if it doesn't really work like that with crochet, but I was kind of curious if anybody had experience with that. Um, so I do all of my patterns and pattern drafting on freezer paper. 
um, which is, it probably would not work for Botoil for your purpose, your special purpose there, but I love freezer paper for patterns. Um, in the United States, you can buy it uh, at the grocery store. It's right, it's made by Reynolds and it's right near the aluminum foil. It comes in a huge roll and it's like, you know, $1.69 or something like that. So um, the way it works is, you know, one side is matte and you draw on that side. The other side is shiny. And so you draw your pattern and you cut it out and then you iron it shiny side down onto the fabric um, with a warm iron and it adheres to the fabric. And so you can... What? Yes, you can sew. You can sew with it still adhered. So let's say you have two pieces. You place them right sides together. You put the uh, freezer paper pattern on top uh, with the shiny side down. Iron it, and then you can actually just sew right around the curves of that piece, um, and you'll get a really exact, you know, sewing line. So if you're making fingers for a doll or a palm or something, you know, that where there's got lots of curves. You can just put it right under your machine and you sew, you know, right along the edge, not on the paper, on the fabric, but right along the edge, following the edge of the paper. Uh, And then you just pull it off and you can reuse that um, same freezer paper pattern piece. I mean, I probably reused them 25, 35 times before the um, stickiness of the shiny side wears out, in which case you just trace it again. Um, but all of my patterns are on freezer paper and then just stuck into envelopes. That's I have amazing. a million of them. And it's kind of a bummer for people who don't um, ha- have access to a U.S. grocery store because, uh, especially in Australia, I know it's really expensive and it's not something that is a product that Reynolds or, you know, whatever companies sell uh, saran wrap and freezer paper and things like that at the grocery store make. I don't know why, but... Um, there are so many mysteries about it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's perfect if you live in the United States and I really recommend it. And um, I'm like freezer paper's number one advocate. So, <laughs> so my patterns... Um, work differently, so I don't trace anything, but I do have a, a bit of insight about laminating, and from my volunteering at a school days, there are different kinds of laminating, and some kinds um, adhere directly to the paper, you know what I mean, like they're sticky all the way, but other kind, I think the heat compressed kind, only stick when you stick two co- two pieces of the laminating material together. So I've had cases before where I've laminated something, but then I've cut too close to the edge and then it was no longer sticking to the paper. Yeah, I know. Yes, I understand. You know what I mean? So that's just a a laminating thing to throw out there. Well, that's, that's, those are really good tips because I've used freezer paper before for other sewing things, but I have never used it in that way. And I always thought maybe it wasn't going to be thick enough because I tend to trace around my patterns um, and then sew them. But I'm going to try the freezer paper. Try it because um, so you don't even need to trace. That's the wonderful thing about it is so I um, my patterns don't have seam allowances when I um, create them myself, you know, before I draw them onto the final paper that will then, you know, be part of a PDF pattern. Um, when they're in my envelopes, they don't have a freeze, they don't have um, a seam allowance on them. So I just iron them on. And if I'm going to cut 
first, I just cut a quarter a quarter inch away from the outside edge. So, um, and then if I'm not, you know, then the other their freezer paper is awesome for also for cutting very accurate felt shapes. So let's say you want to draw a flower from felt, you want to cut a flower from felt, draw a flower on your freezer paper, but don't cut it out. Um, and then iron the freezer paper onto felt. And then with scissors, just cut out your freezer paper and it cuts the felt too. And it's perfect. And you pull off the freezer paper and you have a perfectly, I mean, I cut like letters from my daughter was a suffragette for Halloween two years ago. And she had a, like a sash that said like votes for women. And I, um, I just printed out a font onto freezer paper and ironed it onto the felt and cut out all the letters. And they, you know, it was a pretty fancy font. It was, and it was perfect. So I'm a huge freezer paper fan. <laughs> um, all right. So super laminating patterns is a good suggestion. Um, I just hope my, my boat's wall patterns that I sent to Haiti aren't going to separate and fall apart now. <laughs> if, if, if they really are stuck, I hope they're okay. I hope they are too. I think they will be. At least one layer of them will be. Hopefully they will be. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, Stacey, let's talk about your... Um, well, I'll let you pick. I don't okay, know which okay, one okay. you wanted next. Um, <laughs> I'm sensing a time crunch, so I'm going to alter my order. Okay. So I previously alluded to that I have had this huge uptick in Facebook fans, which is very good, and and I had a sale over my birthday, and so I've been getting lots of visitors to my site. And I got a phone call the other day from my hosting company saying, um, you know, your site's running a little slow. We need we should do something. Um, and I had just thought, I mean, you know, we, we all run businesses and we all run little websites, but there's a sense in which, I mean, I'm not a web programmer. Like I don't really know that much. And I just sort of thought my site being slow was just something that happened. Um, but they told me about this site called GT metrics, like M E T R I X. And it, you put in your website and it, who knows what it does? It does stuff. And it tells you what is slow on your site and why. And so come to find out, you know, I was just uploading photos from five years ago when I started. And a lot of the photos were too high resolution for running the site well. And so my hosting company, um, was able to optimize all of my images for forty nine ninety five, which I think is a good deal. Um, but you, you could probably, find another dude or I, I don't know how, um, every, you know, hosting sites are different and stuff, but, um, this GT metrics site revealed that my images were too big and too high resolution. And when my hosting company did its thing, my site is 268% faster. So I'm very excited. I did not have to move. There was talk of me having to move to a different server system, which still might happen, but for now I don't have to. Um, but anyone can go to GT Metrics, type in their website. It's free. It gives you like a little report card, like you're an F in this, you're an A in this. Um, and it can tell you what the average load time is for a customer because I, I've i read you know these blog posts that say if a site hasn't loaded in three seconds, most people have left by then. They're not sticking around waiting for, you know, your genius content to pop up after 10 seconds. So I think it's a good thing to just do, even if you're not sure whether you want to do anything about it, just to go find out how fast your site is loading um, to see a bit like what your customer experience is like. 
That's super. And I was on your site this morning and it is darn fast now. <laughs> I'll tell you, I was like, whoa, Stacey's site's loaded. That's pretty great. <laughs> so yay, it worked. Um, that's great. I'm going to go do it this afternoon because I do wonder about that. I have a trailer video for my, um, for my book, my second book that lives on the sidebar of my website. And I love it there, but I do wonder like, is that slowing things down? Isn't, I don't really, as you said, I don't know how the back end of these things work all that well. It's kind of vague in my mind, so I would be interested to know what what they think, what GT metrics. Well, right, think. these things are such a mystery to me because apparently my site um, doesn't specify what size an image is before it loads it, and I, to me, I'm like, why should it? But that's very important, um, and so just things like that, whatever. They're apparently important to know, and this site will help you out a bit. Super. That sounds good. Um, all right, so I think I have to choose between mine too, but I think what I'm going to talk about next is not a tool, but is um, actually two books that I've been loving. So I mentioned with my Humpty Dumpty that I've been doing some research into nursery rhymes, and um, I sort of count this as research, but these are two comic books. Um, they're comic book collections, actually. One is nursery rhyme comics, and the other one is fairy tale comics. And um, so both of them have um, all the classic tales and rhymes that you can think of, Red Riding Hood, Little Bo Peep, you know, all of them, um, but they are drawn by all different comic artists. So it's wonderful because you get a flavor for a whole bunch of like 50 different comic strip artists. You get a flavor for their style, um, the way that they interpret a story, how they draw. Some of them have words. Some of them, you know, the, the rhyme is so familiar you don't even need words. Um, and then I've gone on and, like, gotten more books by the ones that I really was drawn to and really enjoyed. So um, it's been a great introduction to comics. I guess one of these books, the Nursery Rhyme one, was originally a gift to my kids from a relative, but now it lives in my room because I love it. And I did let them read it, but, um, but it lives in my room now. And then the fairy tale comics we got from the library um, and renewed because it's just so great. And I think these two books together would be an awesome gift um, for kids, but also for grownups. So it's kind of made me want to read more graphic novels, and I've started reading the kids' graphic novels more and more, so I just really recommend them. They're charming, um, and you can read them with your kids, too, if you wanted to, or kids can read them by themselves, so I recommend fairy tale comics and nursery rhyme comics. They're super. Um, okay, so we are back up to Deborah. Do you want to pick from your list that's left, or should I pick for you? Um, you can pick. Okay, so um, tell me about the printable graph paper. Printable graph paper is is the, one of my best favorite things ever um, that I discovered, and I thought, oh my gosh, this will just like change my life kind of things. Because um, I design a lot of quilts, and I do. I'm very. Um, kind of hands-on. I have graph paper and my little colored pencils and I color in little things. And I was always out searching for graph paper and they only come in like, you know, four squares per inch or five squares per inch. 
Anyway, I discovered that you can go online, and I use an online website called Incomptech, which I honestly don't really know what this website is for. They have a lot of music <laughs> things on there and things that I, I don't really know, but they have free printable graph paper also. And I'm not sure how these things are connected, but um, it says it's free printable graph paper, so I really hope that, you know, the the internet police is not going to come get me for printing out this graph paper. But what's so great about it is that you can make it any way you want. You can make any number of block of squares one way, any number of squares the other way, any size you want. You can vary the thickness of the lines and the color. And you can also, they'll have like the round kind of graph paper things. I, that, there's a word for that that I don't know what it is. Um, little hexagons you can do. For people who design knitting patterns, they have the um, the squares in the grid in in that um, not they're not really squares. They're different shape. They're like slightly rectangular because that's the way the knitting stitches really uh, work out to be. So it's just great because you can do it. Um, you can you can just t- customize your graph paper and and print out as many pieces as you want. Um, and it's great for kids too because they really love. It's like very exciting that it's graph paper and it's different and so they can, they really like it also. That sounds fun. Yeah. And for people who design patterns, what a great tool. Yeah. It's really, um, I, I use it almost for everything, even for making lists and things like that, just because, um, I just, I feel more organized that way. All those nice little neat squares. <laughs> totally. That's awesome. Great. That, thank you for the link. That's super. Um, all right, so Stacey, what would you like to talk about next? Okay, I am going to talk about Wool Buddies. So um, Wool Buddies is a needle felting book that just came out before the holidays. And I had seen Wool but you know, I knew about Wool Buddies um, before because they make really cute little kits and just like the cutest, cutest, cutest needle felted animals ever. And then the Wool Buddy wrote a book called Wool Buddies. And the book I rented from my library and I got it on my uh, Kindle and I instantly just bought the book in the paperback form because they're so cute and they're really well-written instructions. And I'm just really jazzed about this book Um, since it has to come through the mail. It hasn't come yet, but I'm waiting because I like needle felting, um, but I'm not at the point yet where I'm creative enough to come up with my own needle felting designs like I'm I feel like that's the standard cycle like you do a lot of things that are copying someone else's instructions and then eventually you get this creativity to do your own designs but I'm not there yet so I will be making some very cute wool buddies as soon as my book gets here I'm I'm really stoked yeah I'm looking at um is it a woman who it doesn't well the person is called Jackie but I'm not sure if that is a woman or a guy because I've met Jackie's of both. Okay. But the person I've been trying very carefully to avoid the gender pronouns. The person um, works for as an animator or a something for one of the big movie cartoon things, whether it's Pixar or DreamWorks or one of those things. So they're very into the cute um, cartoony aesthetic. Yeah. And I just love this person, whoever it they are. It looks like it's a guy because um, it says on the website here, Wool Buddy began as an artist's desire to find a unique collection of toys for his newborn daughter. Oh, good. 
good. Well, yeah, he, he decided okay. it was time to create his own. So yes, it looks like it's a guy, which is even more awesome because there's not all that many guys, whether it's, um, you know, needle felting or sewing or crochet, knitting, whatever, who makes stuffed animals or make creatures out of fabric. So yay. <laughs> I'm always excited when I find a guy who likes to do this too. Um, yeah, adorable too. The aesthetic is really cute. Oh, so freaking cute. Oh, I love it. So cute. Yeah. Super. That's a good find. I am not, um, so good at needle felting. I have a lot of room for improvement. So maybe next time we see one another, you can give me some tips because I have all the equipment, but, um, I haven't, granted, I haven't devoted all that much time to it, but, um, yeah, I haven't had much success either. So I need to try, I need to try harder. Um, all right. So I'm trying to think which one I want to do next, but I think what I'm going to talk about is, um, a kind of geeky internet thing. So this is called Buffer App, um, and I just discovered this through someone on Twitter, clicked over, was like, ooh, what is Buffer? Um, and I started actually reading their blog first. I really recommend the Buffer App blog for people who are interested in social media. Um, they've got great articles, really great content. It was one of those things that drew me in um, first to their blog, then I started following their CEO who also tweets great articles about, um, online marketing and that sort of thing. And then, um, and then I was like, well, what is the service about? <laughs> so all of this leads up to the service called buffer, which is a way for you to spread out the things you share on social media so that they appear at optimum times. Um, so for me, I often have time to, um, share things on social media at weird times. For example, Friday night at 10, which is not when most people are, for example, on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but that's when I'm home and can finally sort of sit down and, you know, not have kids, um, you know, asking me for things, et cetera. And I can go through all the things that I've been saving, read them and be like, Oh, this is a good one. And I want to share it because I'm going to forget about it if I don't share it. But you know what? Nobody's seeing it if I share it right then. Um, especially on a platform like Twitter where stuff just scrolls on by. So what I do now is you, um, you can download Buffer for free onto your phone. You can also get it on your PC and it's a little bookmarklet. So you send it to Buffer and um, you populate the tweet or you can also connect your Facebook page, personal or business Facebook page, um, which is great for scheduling Facebook, uh, which is something I hadn't been able to do before. And you can upload a photo if you want to and put in a link. And then um, Buffer chooses uh, the best times to send it out and it holds it and then sends it during those optimum times. And it's great. It's like, you know, 926 in the morning is a great time for it to go on Twitter. So that's when it sends it. And it kind of cues them up uh, and just sends them out for you. And I have to tell you, I have really noticed an uh, increase and in uptick in the number of people who are actually clicking through, reading and reacting to when I'm sharing. Do and you to, oh, sorry. Do you yeah. happen to know if it does it assess the content in picking a time or is it just tweeting at like busiest times? It's you know what I mean? It like busiest times. And okay. You can change and alter those times. So if you're like, well, my audience is actually, you know, more active on Sundays at four, not Sundays at three, 
and Buffer wants to do Sundays at 3, you can alter that. So it's customizable. But right. I, I feel like they know better than me, so I'm happy to go with what they recommend um, as far as timing is concerned. And then the great thing, too, is it gives you statistics. So um, in, within Buffer app, you, it'll tell you how many people click through the link and, read, you know, ostensibly read part or some of the article that you tweeted, um, how many people favorited it, how many people retweeted it. And so you can see, and then it'll mark one as your top tweet. So let's say, you know, you loaded up Buffer with 11 things for the day. At the end of the day, you'll say, oh, you know, this one was the one that the most people shared, interacted with, favorited, et cetera. And it gives you some insight into like what your followers are most interested in. So I just think this is really cool. Um, and it makes it, you know, it's easier and better and quicker and more effective. So, hey, I'm in. Um, so that's Buffer app. I have to say I'm a fairly new user. It's only been... I guess a week since I started, um, but I, I like it. So I, I, I would say I recommend it. <laughs> I'm downloading it now, Abby. All right. I Grab it. Maybe I'd actually get more than 25 people on my Facebook site. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll come like your Facebook site. We'll go do that now. <laughs> Absolutely. Everyone had over to Deborah. Deborah, what are you on Facebook? Um, Fish Museum and Circus. All right. Awesome. Well, I will link to it in the show notes. So at least we can all head over there and like it today. It's like the foreign language, all of this stuff. I'm like, what, what is all of this? There is a lot to learn. And I feel, I feel like the more you get into it, the more difficult it is to remember what it was like when all of it sort of was gobbledygook and you didn't understand how it worked. Because oh, and it is a deep rabbit hole, man. It is. It is. It's, it, and it's fascinating if you're interested, <laughs> so, uh, which I am, but anyway, so, um, okay. Uh, I think we have time for maybe, uh, one last quick one. So Deborah, I'm giving it to you. Will you tell us about either Neil Gaiman? You want to tell us about Neil Gaiman's commencement speech? I do because I actually just listened to it again. Um, just because I haven't listened to it in a little while and it's just one of my favorite things and you can just, um, Google it. It's on YouTube. Um, Neil, um, is it Gaiman or is it Gaiman? I'm not even sure. You know, um, I thought it was Gaiman, but I, I'm not going to say definitively. Okay. I'll go with that. Neil okay. Gaiman. <laughs> um, his commence, commencement speech that he did for the University of the Arts. And it's, it's like about 19 minutes long. And it's just really, um, he's very funny. But it also just talks about the process of making and uh, having a career in, in making things um, and, and being true to who you are and all of those just things that you kind of know in the back of your head, but it's really nice for somebody to actually say it out loud, somebody who really is successful. And um, he talks about all those things like, you know, uh, that the... Um, uh, the fraud police are going to come and, you know, they found you out. Um, I always feel like this. I don't know if other people do, but I always feel like that um, I will be found out for, for the, uh, to be a, a, a designer fraud. <laughs> I think that's actually a really common, you know, that sort of um, feeling like you're a fraud is actually one of the most, com- that's my mail coming in. Um, it's one of the most common, um, uh, you know, feelings that people who sort of start to find success feel. 
Yeah. So if you have, you know, if you have um, just a, a few minutes, it's just, I think it's just a really nice, um, and it just, it, it, he just says it in such a great way that um, makes you feel like you can do it. You can, that I feel like I can be more invincible, I think. So yes, artist pep talk, you know, <laughs> which is something we need. Uh, that sounds good. I'm going to go listen to it this evening when I'm sewing. That sounds really good. I like his books a lot. Um, my kids and I just listened again to Coraline in the car, which they find. We listen to audiobooks in the car when we're driving around, and they find that book to be totally creepy. But um, but it's, I like it. Um, he's such a talented guy. So All right. Uh, awesome. Uh, okay, well, I think that's probably it for today, everyone. Um, you've been listening to While She Naps. The podcast airs on the first and third Monday of each month. My guests today were Deborah Fisher and Stacy Trock. Catch up with Deborah on her site, fishmuseumandcircus.com, and with Stacy at freshstitches.com. Um, if you have something to say about the show or want, to direct, want some direct links to what we talked about today, you can find all of that and more on my blog, walshenaps.com. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.